0: This is a presentation of Paterson Media. Amplify Canada is an initiative created by Paterson Media. It's designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our economy, Thousands of small businesses, groups, family organizations, and individuals are showcased on Pattison Media radio stations from Winnipeg to Vancouver throughout the year. Every month, we go deeper and share the incredible journey of a few that have made an impact on their community. Some have flourished, and others may need a little extra love and support. These are their stories. Welcome to Amplify Canada Season 2. Are you ready? Each episode, we highlight local musicians. This time, it's Mona Moore, drag queen extraordinaire, who released her first single, Slay. To say, no time to delay.
1: I'll
0: introduce you to Mona at the end of the podcast. Are you ready? on this show.
2: Never mind about my feelings, never mind about my suffering, it's just about your show. Show me where it is that you're being homophobic. Show me where you're being xenophobic. Show me where you're being transphobic. Come up with the list that you could actually show to the world that you're already accepting of this amazing community.
0: That's Thomas Kevin Dolan, Master Integrative Coach Professional. Thomas will guide us with incredible insight and perspective throughout this episode. We
3: wanted to do something that was going to like have purpose. What is going to make a difference in
0: what we do? That is Caitlin Bosefield, the co-owner of Good Fortune Barbershop. Her and her partner, Sam, have created a model all barbershops should follow.
4: As someone that's a part of the LGBTQ plus community, initially when we started our business, Spencer and I were always very much behind the scenes, kind of afraid to put our faces out there make it known that we were a part of this community.
0: Tyler Yang is co-owner of Loa Skin. He and his business partner, Spencer Angelvet have created a sustainable skincare line while learning to be true to themselves. Everybody wants
5: to be loved. Everybody wants to be accepted. That's two basic human needs. I don't care who you are or where you're from.
0: Barbara Ruiak is one of three owners of Chocolate Zen Bakery and has been advocating for years the importance of acceptance. Hi there, I'm Linda Freeman, your host for Amplify Canada. There are 61, the nays are 36. Uh, The bill, as amended, has passed. Dear President, what a great day. What a great day. Recently, the Senate passed bipartisan legislation to protect same-sex marriages, an extraordinary sign of shifting national politics in the United States on the issue, and a measure of relief for hundreds of thousands of same-sex couples who have been married since the Supreme Court's 2015 decision that legalized gay marriage nationwide. The fact that this right could have been taken away is astonishing, but real.
1: Gay, straight, black, white, marriage is a civil right.
0: Breaking down barriers through good conversations is one way to continue to make progress and create a safer, more accepting world. In this episode, we talk to small businesses that are doing just that, showing resiliency, inclusivity, and kindness. This country is built on small businesses. Let's listen to the stories of small businesses supporting our 2SLGBTQIA plus community. The Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, the CGLCC, is a coalition of positive forces advocating for change to make a more inclusive Canadian economy possible. Now according to the CGLCC website, Canada is home to over 100,000 LGBTQ plus owned businesses. Now these businesses generate over $22 billion in economic activity and employ over 435,000 Canadians. Now, sadly, they also state that LGBTQ entrepreneurs still face barriers with nearly half saying they've hidden who they were in business dealings to avoid losing opportunities. And then more than a third have lost opportunities completely. Now, in this episode, we have the good fortune of tapping into the expertise of Thomas Kevin Dolan, master integrative coach professional. So we're going to start with the story with you, Thomas, because finding one's truth is where we all need to start. So just give us a bit of perspective on your life and how you got to where you are now.
2: Oh my gosh, wow.
0: (laughs) I know, big question.
2: That's a big question. It's a loaded question. But I think probably most fortunate for me, the starting point would be this realization that, wow, I need to share my truth with the world. The truth is that I'm a gay man. I wandered in the world for a long period of time using all kinds of things to cover that truth up. And thankfully, in August of 1988, I found the courage to be able to say to the world, this is who I really am. The world that I had created disappeared overnight, which was very, very scary. So that moment in time was the scariest, but it was the best and bravest moment I've ever, ever had in my life. And from that moment forward, Linda, and there's lots of steps in between, when you breathe into your truth, it's amazing how a truth of the world gets reflected back to you. So by finding that courage... I had an entire world say, because of course, my biggest fear was not being loved or liked for who I really was. The biggest truth was the world would say, wow, we love you even more than we love you before, because now we know who it is that you are.
0: I want to talk about that coaching piece, what you're doing and how you are changing lives. A lot of people are looking to coaches these days. So just talk a little bit about what it is that you do.
2: Mm, thank you, wow, lots of directions I can go, but I'll I open with this question, and not necessarily to you directly, Linda, but it will, it will always be a question I will have for my clients when I begin to consider whether or not this is somebody I want to work with. And I'm really blessed to be really picky, and I'm looking for an energy in somebody that is what you just described. It's this knowing that they really want to open themselves up to an experience of themselves they've not had before, so that they can literally kind of get out of their own way, be supported in moving forward, but the question is this, Who is the only person that you cannot see when you walk into a room? Yourself. That's exactly a good for you. See, I would coach you in a heartbeat. You might be getting a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) So it's from that place. It tells me that they're open to me becoming with them a reflection of who they're being in that moment. It doesn't mean that I know anything of what it is that they should move in a direction. Because I say to them, I don't have your answers. You do. What I will be for you is an arbiter of truth, if you will. I will invite you to allow me to be a reflection of who you're being in this moment. Then I will say to you, I will say, dear client, in this particular moment, your response to that question for me was X, will that attitude, will that response, will that belief, will that actually begin to pull you forward to the life that you actually told me you wanted to create for yourself? They get to choose.
0: Let's pause there for a moment, as I know there are more great things to come with Thomas. But from here, we make our first business stop at Good Fortune in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Owner Caitlin Bosefield speaks her truth. Good Fortune is an inclusive, supportive barbershop focused on providing a comfortable space for all. They take pride in their commitment to their neighborhood and community. And although they are elevating the industry of barbering, they respect the legacy and history of Winnipeg's barber community. The idea started before the pandemic, but was nourished and cultivated when owners Caitlin Bosefield and Sam Rive found themselves with some time on their hands, as many of us did. Unfortunately, Sam couldn't join us. So it's all you, Caitlin. Let's start with the story of how good fortune was born.
3: We wanted to do something that was going to like have purpose. What is going to make a difference in what we do? Before the pandemic, we had already been hosting LGBT nights at the barbershop that we were working at, which was very successful. The barbershop that we worked at before, it wasn't male dominant by any means, but historically like that is where barbershops began. In the industry as well as the people that occupied it, we always saw that there was a bit of a gap in the industry and we get that it's like an intimidating space for people. Not everyone feels comfortable walking into a barbershop and a haircut is, it could be a really big thing that helps someone figure out how they want to present themselves or help them with their identity gender non-conforming haircuts or anything and just making people feel welcome a lot of the pricing structure typically in a barbershop is based on short hair i don't really know why it had a gender involved in the name to begin with because it's just a short haircut so that was the first step was getting something very simple as the service menu the language of it changed and that i think made a big impact in people feeling safe about coming there. We don't use any kind of language in the shop that would assume anyone's gender or even talking about styles of haircuts. We just treat everyone with respect.
0: The businesses we feature are nominated for Amplify Canada and mentioned in your nomination was how welcome everyone feels when they come into your barbershop. The love and respect that you show and how much you give back to the community is so important. And during the pandemic, we heard a lot of stories about giving back and you've continued to do so which reflects who you are. We
3: donate a dollar from every haircut and service that we do to a different charity every year. Last year there was only 3 of us and we had to shut down for a couple months, but in that year of being open we raised $6,748 for Manitoba Underdogs, which is a dog rescue. And now we're doing it for Mama Way, which is an indigenous not-for-profit organization.
0: And then you also have nights where you give free haircuts.
3: Yeah, so the first one that we did was for youth that wanted gender-affirming haircuts. To us, that was always part of our vision, something that we wanted to provide for people because there could be someone maybe that doesn't even live at home, that doesn't have money to get the haircut that they want to you know, allow themselves to present the way that they do, but also... Parents have brought their kids in because they hear about us and seeing a family support their kids its such an important place to start. Parents finding out about us, whether it's through social media or these haircut nights and bringing their kid in and just how happy they are to get the haircut they've always wanted.
0: So important. Life-changing, really.
3: And then we've also done free haircut nights for people who are in recovery treatment from drugs and alcohol because I think that it's also an important thing for people to feel good about themselves and they're actively doing things to better themselves as well.
0: Well, you've opened my eyes. I never really thought about gender pricing, such an important barrier to break down.
3: I've had clients of mine who, before they transitioned, they were getting charged as one gendered service. And then when they told their stylist that they were transitioning, the pricing changed, which their haircut never changed, right? So, the way that we operated was just we charge on length of hair or length of service. It's not gendered. It blew so many people's minds. They were like, that is amazing. Why didn't anyone ever think of that? But it was just so authentic to us that we didn't really understand why people were so shocked by this way of operating and it just being accessible price point wise for everyone.
0: Yeah, so many businesses need to adapt to this model, like a welcoming, comfortable, non-judgmental space. Wouldn't that be great? And I also love the fact that you're eco-friendly. And I'm not just talking about hair products. You have a hair collection that can help clean up an oil spill?
3: There is a company called Green Circle Salons. They are the ones that take all of our barbershop waste and they repurpose it or recycle it safely. So hair actually gets made into either oil booms, which would be used to clean up oil spills, because if you think like our hair absorbs oil on our head, So it works really well for cleaning up oil spills, and luckily there hasn't been very many of them lately, so now they're trying to find ways of making microplastics and potentially insulation out of it. We have a trash can right now that's made out of five pounds of hair, which is pretty cool. And you wouldn't know it's made out of hair. It looks like plastic.
0: Caitlin, what an incredible story you have. The dedication and compassion that you have to support others, and making meaningful change in the world, it's so admirable. Well, thank you for all that you're doing. We're going to settle back into conversation with Thomas Kevin Dolan, Master Integrative Coach Professional. This episode is all about businesses who are run by or support the LGBTQ plus community. And most of them have had great experiences and their stories are incredible and they're uplifting and it's wonderful. But we know that it isn't always and hasn't always been that way. And there's still struggles out there. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Maybe you can speak to some of the challenges that you've heard about when coaching business owners or just the conversation you hear in general when you're talking to people.
2: The biggest question, and perhaps it's where a business might actually say, we're kind of not ready to do that. So they come to me and say, we want to have you begin to support us in creating a connection to an affiliation for, and I call it a relationship. And I would include an LGBTQ plus, I'd include Two Spirit as well, so that our indigenous brothers and sisters are also involved in that. I'll ask the business this. And I did this in the very first, and it was quite historical. In 2000, 2001, the credit union here in Vancouver, Van City, wanted to create a relationship with what we knew as the gay and lesbian community back then. So I said to them this, so what exists in your organization? What's the level of internalized homophobia? do you think Van City actually lives with as an organization? They were brave enough to actually do a deep dive with some guidance from me and some other amazing people that I had surrounded myself with in terms of being a support from a consulting perspective. But a lot of businesses think that they can actually create a connection to the queer community umbrella for me, a term that I would use and I would own, without actually doing a deep dive into what exists for them in terms of perhaps a blind spot, perhaps a privileged spot. And it's one that some businesses say to me, We're kind of not prepared to do that. And that says to me, I'm so glad that you're not wanting to partner with the community because you're not willing to actually take a breath and realize that even me as an out fully gay man, I have my own internalized homophobia. It comes up for me all the time. But by me saying it and me doing some work around it, I can have it and it doesn't have me. So if an organization is not willing to actually take and turn the light of how that might live for it as an organization... I usually say, no, thank you. I'll not do some work with you. Step two would be this notion of, can you date the community first? And when I said that to Van City, they had these great aspirations of doing business and making money from the community, but I said, you know, we as a community are really good at sussing out whether or not we're safe. I mean, that was the first thing I did as a little three-year-old gay boy. I knew where I was safe and where I wasn't safe. And ultimately for me, I will reflect back to an organization. Have you ever had an experience in getting to know somebody where you got married before you dated? Said if you dated the community, built trust with the community, at some point in time, no, you don't ask them to marry you, but at some point in time, the relationship works well enough where they would be willing to say, actually, we'll give you our hard earned dollar because it comes with this trust. We've seen in advertising, we've seen in internal communications that you're about us, you stand for us, and ultimately we'll make a commitment to join you. Unfortunately, there's a lot of rainbow washing, I call it, that exists today, where you see a pride flag go up. But if you marched into that organization when the parade has gone by and say to them, so any queer ownership here? Can you show me a benefits package? Do you share same-sex benefits do you? And oftentimes, you scratch the surface and you get more surface, there's not a lot of depth to it. So those are kind of three steps that I look at as a marker for me to say, this would be worth my time. And it ultimately would be a really great ally for the community, or in fact, it wouldn't be. And I send them a blessing and I move on.
0: Yeah, and that's brilliant. So true. Even as a business, looking internally first, making things right internally before you can go externally. Can we talk about that word acceptance and the importance of acceptance or not?
2: Oh, very, very true. Acceptance, Linda, is something that is so easily spewed, but to look at how important it is for me to actually live and accept me first and for a business to accept itself and perhaps its level of homophobia or transphobia or xenophobia or whatever it happens to be, to be able to actually smooth that over, then you can work on wanting a community to accept you or for a community to want you to be accepted by others.
0: Wow. Take a moment to let all that sink in. Such powerful insight. I think a lot of aha moments happening right now. Let's leave it there. And I'll come back to you, Thomas, with a question that I think is important for all of us to understand and do individually and as business owners. Traveling to the beautiful and picturesque West Coast, we land in Vancouver, the home of Lois Skin, an innovative, creative skincare line that started in the kitchen of one of the owner's parents. Long nights, lots of Pyrex measuring cups, and using themselves as testers, Lois Skin was born. Now, four years into the business, they've grown into a manufacturing space, a small team, and many part time employees. Well done, Tyler Yang and Spencer Angelvet. Tyler, thank you for joining us on Amplify Canada. You're definitely a business to celebrate. And you started this journey trying to help those who suffer from skin conditions like
4: you. I really suffered from cystic acne. Spencer really suffered from eczema around his mouth and on his hands. So we really wanted to create a botanical solution. So Spencer, being the huge skincare geek that he is, he found out that there was this omega-6 fatty acid deficiency for a lot of folks So yeah, we basically started to source botanicals from around the world to create our hero product, which is our botanical beauty elixir.
0: Now LOA stands for Land, Ocean and Air. Why did you land on this?
4: It just goes back to our environmental ethos. Not only did we want to create a product that was only using botanicals sourced from farmers around the world, and then infuse them together into one beautiful bottle and something that was effective. But it also goes into our environmental ethos in the way that we run our company as well. So it was really, really important for our product to be vegan and cruelty-free, for it to be palm oil-free, and as well, we look for sustainable packaging wherever possible. So we use a beautiful UV-resistant glass for the packaging, and then we screen print directly to avoid labels and stickers and things like that, paper packaging, all of that good stuff.
0: You care about the environment. So using eco-friendly products and packaging, and whenever you can, you educate and promote a better environment.
4: One of the biggest things that we do is we work with a company called Ecology. So for every bottle that's sold, we plant one tree. Our latest project is in Madagascar. As well, we do a lot of carbon offsets. So offsetting the carbon that's created from running our business, whether that's from shipping the orders or the packaging, all sorts of different things. And so some of those offset projects can be things like wind farms, solar power plants, and then also land purchases to avoid deforestation and things like that. So that's really, really important to us to ensure that we have very neutral business in terms of carbon.
0: Tyler, this episode is about 2SLGBTQIA plus businesses across Western Canada, and you often hear in the media about all the hate happening against the community and the negativity. So this episode is so important as it brings to light the positive businesses helping and amplifying the community. Did you feel that your business wasn't accepted like other businesses because you were part of the 2SLGBTQIA plus community?
4: Great question. Yeah I think you know as someone that's a part of the LGBTQ plus community it's uh, something you struggle with all the time like no matter what environment you're going into whether it's school or business you know you're always questioning whether you're going to be accepted in this environment and how that's going to be taken by individuals. Initially when we started our business Spencer and I were always very much behind the scenes kind of afraid to put our faces out there make it known that we were a part of this community and I think as time has grown, you know, our customers have been so lovely to us. We do a lot of trade shows and markets and different things as well. And so when you have those in person human interactions with people, it, it really just frames this idea that we're all one in the same and we feel really accepted by our community of customers. And so Over time, we've become a little bit more outgoing, I guess you could say, in terms of putting our picture on the website and, you know, making videos every once in a while for our retailers. And I know it's something that we really have to continue to push ourselves to do. But I think it's something that we'll always question, right, until we kind of get to a place where coming out isn't a thing or this idea of feeling different. And I think you bring that with you into every space that you go.
0: Now, has your personal journey helped you in your business?
4: One of the biggest things for me that, you know, I've struggled with as both a person and an entrepreneur is one side of my family are all immigrants from China. And as they came over here, I think the biggest thing was, you know, I was worried that I wasn't going to be accepted by them, that they sort of held these more traditional values in their mind and something that I struggled with for a long time. I had come out to my mother at about 13 and I didn't come out to my grandparents on that side until just last year. It's something I really held in for a long time, you know, out of both fear, out of respect, out of all these different things that go on in your mind. But eventually it just, it got too much for me, right? It felt, you know, like I was living this double life and that takes twice the energy to do that. And so. Yeah, it got to a certain point where I saw it as a greater risk to not show up as myself versus potentially the fallout from whatever relationship I have with with my grandparents. And funny enough, when we shared that with my grandparents, they were more than accepting. And it was really shocking, I think, for everyone in the family, right? Because there was always this fear in the back of our heads that this would be a deal breaker. But my grandma's reaction, she was basically like, what, that's it? Like, that's all you have to tell me? I I really loved that. And even my grandpa, who's very traditional and and usually doesn't have an opinion, he was like, okay, that's great. So it was very chill. But I know I'm very fortunate to have grandparents like that, and not everyone is.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you. Really thank you for allowing us into this space with you and for sharing the positive moments. I hope those listening to this feel comfortable with who they are and are able to live authentically. You're amazing, Tyler.
6: I still believe in the power of love. Don't lose faith in the power of love. When you know that you are loved, when you know that whatever you do, people are going to love it, then you can be your best. Then you can be in your body. That type of grounding reminds me that we are not separate from one another. We are one thing.
0: Having conversations can be so healing, freeing and impactful. So back to Thomas Kevin Dolan, Master Integrative Coach Professional. Can you share with us, as far as advancing society, we talked about opportunities, like just that growth opportunity within society. Can you use some examples and speak to the people to say, yes, this is all possible. Here's some of the things that you need to be thinking about. (laughs) The first would be, and I'll play with you on this one a
2: little bit. You walk into a bookstore and you want to go to a section, right, to kind of get a sense of how you're doing in your life. What's the section of that bookstore called? Wellness. Uh, There's another one that most use. Wellness is one, absolutely. There's another one as well. Self-help. Exactly. Imagine, Linda, imagine if we walked into a bookstore and it said, we help. Imagine if we walked into a bookstore that taught us how it is that I could support you, taught me how to support my community, taught me how to actually support the city of Vancouver, taught me how to support the province of British Columbia. My point is this, we are so eye-focused And although the airline will say, put your mask on first and make sure you're breathing well before you help somebody else, I think we've gone overboard with that. If we could move ourselves to holding the collective, right? We is stronger than I. If we could move ourselves to having a value for and breathe more life and learning into supporting our community, it would be reflective of the wellness that we need for ourselves. So as things get better, I would love to see the bookstores come up with a we help, because ultimately what I'm always looking for, if we can actually make a shift to embracing the collective as being the focal point of our love, of our kindness, of our joy, at some point in time, it has such a powerful energy, right? I know when I do work with folks, I'll say to them, they'll present something as an issue for them, and they'll always name somebody else as the issue. I won't say anything, but I will say to them, actually, I'm not coaching that somebody else, I'm coaching you. Six or seven sessions down the road, they'll say to me, Thomas, you know that person I talked to about, that thing that was driving me crazy? Um, They're not about that anymore, and it's not driving me crazy. And I say to them, what do you think happened? And they're a little bit mystified, and I say to them, there's this magic that happens when you choose to actually lean into learning about you. People will step into that learning, and they're gonna be affected energetically by it. So what happens is that they begin to learn about themselves. So this notion of taking care of I from a coaching perspective actually leans into this idea of being able to impact people as they come into your energy, they're impacted by it, and suddenly we begin to heal. That issue that that person had, it didn't exist for them anymore. It was gone because they were willing to look at their own issues. They were willing to look at their own issues and know that by doing that, they will become a powerful contributor to perhaps their relationship, their partnership, The relationship with extended family, family of choice, community, business colleagues it goes on and on and on. So this notion of, wow, if we held we with much more reverence than we hold it today, imagine the steps that we could take together.
0: I look forward to seeing that someday in the bookstores where it says we help and a few books with your name on it on that shelf.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I love that you say that because there's not one far off. So thank you for that. I appreciate that.
0: And now we head back to the community of Winnipeg, Manitoba, to the area called South Osborne, to meet up with Barbara Ruiak, one of three owners of Chocolate Zen Bakery and Catering. Now her partners are Betty Lye and Douglas Cron. They opened the business in 2007. Betty and Doug are pastry chefs and Barbara basically runs the business side of things. Friends in business together for 15 years. How has that worked out, Barbara?
5: We've known each other now for 30 years. We've always been so supportive of each other's ideas and we recognize each other's strengths. It's important to all of us that friends are respectful and that carries on into this workplace. We have a respectful workplace policy in place but more than that, we live it every day. So we respect and really enjoy each other. I mean, it's kind of fun. You come to work and you catch up with your best friends and you're supportive of each other's lives and you always get to know what everybody's doing and being part
0: of that. Can you share your thoughts on creating an inclusive environment supporting the two SLBGTQIA plus community?
5: We strongly believe in supporting, and we've done so before. It was cool. <laughs> we've always believed in again the respect and support. Doug is gay man, and he's always been out. Again, before people were talking about this whole inclusive workplace and the dynamics of including and the strength of including everyone and he having experienced not necessarily in other workplaces but just in general discrimination. I'm from a smaller town here in Manitoba and I do know about discrimination and I knew myself when I moved away and came to Winnipeg I knew that I was going to live my life authentically and that I was going to support people that were living their life authentically and be that friend and also speak up and I think that's also key we're a bakery that's LGBT owned but we also have gone to many events and spoken up and said this is really important to Winnipeg to Canada to our community to the neighborhoods there's just so much that can come out of being diverse and inclusive and it's something that we embraced since the very beginning so Chocolate Zen has been known for being LGBT since we opened. We are hugely supportive of that community here in Winnipeg and beyond. And we do everything in our power to make sure that we're loud and proud. We have been in different pride parades. We wanted to also show to other businesses as well how important it is to include these young people and make sure that you're out in the community and you make sure that they know that there's lots of support. So that was a kind of a highlight of our Pride Parade participation. I'm proud of that moment. And I know that there are a lot of people that have talked about it since and it's changed that community positively. It's changed people's viewpoints. They see that there is a lot of acceptance and people are, are moving in the right direction because of participation like Chocolate Zen and other businesses that get out there. and and really make that statement. It's really, really important.
0: Exactly. This is how we will conquer and how change will happen.
5: It is true. It's so key. And you can do it whether you're a business, whether you're an individual, whether you're somebody that's working or volunteering in the community, whatever your role is, whatever you are, when you're out and about, you can help change people's perceptions of things in the way you approach it. And I've said so many times, i like, especially a few years ago when it wasn't as accepted, I said, why would any young child choose to be something that's ostracized, that they have a hard time fitting in, that they can't even be truthful about, that they don't even know what they are because nobody's talking about it mom and dad aren't talking about it the school doesn't talk about it there's no representation of it in media or in books or stories that they're told why would anybody choose that and always feel sad and confused because nobody sees you for the authentic you everybody wants to be loved everybody wants to be accepted that's too basic human needs. I don't care who you are, where you're from, to be loved and to be accepted. So having heart to heart conversations with people and sitting down and having a discussion and trying to help them to do the research. I love being able to say that I've changed people's hearts (laughs) and minds about stuff because it's happened. All our staff, we all embrace inclusivity and, and love. That's what we're all about. And we do have in the front of our bakery at all times, there's a big pride flag hanging the rainbow flag at the front of our bakery all the time. So anybody that would even think it's like, is that place LGBT owned or whatever? And we have the stickers in our window and our delivery cars all have these stickers on the rear windows. So we're identifying that we are supporting that in every way possible. So it's been really good. The support comes back to us and love comes back to us. And we're so grateful for all of that. And we just want to keep giving both ways as much as we can.
0: Being such an advocate is an incredible way to give back. But you also help amplify your community.
5: We do our own health center. I'm actually on the board of our own health center. So that is a gay men's. They also accept individuals that aren't gay, but is primarily a gay men's clinic here in Winnipeg and the doctors that are part of that clinic, as well as the pharmacist and some other members, support team, are all very close personal friends of mine. And they have different fundraisers, so we've done donations for Beers for Queers. <laughs> in the summers, you go to another friend, he's a gay man who owns an amazing little craft beer breweries. They actually have a patio and stuff, so in the summer we did a fundraiser there. We also did a drag queen brunch. (laughs) And again, it was for our own health center. And that is also at a beautiful restaurant that's owned by two gay men. So we're very involved with other gay owners (laughs) doing these fundraisers around the city for different great causes. And in around town, we're kind of the go-to for all the LGBT events. And we love to support anything that's fundraising for our community.
0: Barbara, thank you. For your wisdom, kindness, and that desire to drive change. There's no doubt we've all made mistakes in our lives. And for some, we've been deeply hurt. And maybe we find it hard to forgive. So this is where I want to end our story with one last question to Thomas Kevin Dolan, Master Integrative Coach Professional. I did see a post from you and it said, forgiving is not forgetting. It is remembering without anger. I love this. That is such a beautiful statement. I did want to ask the specific question of forgiveness being freeing.
2: It is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves. The tip of the iceberg is where anger resides. And of course, anger is usually the justification not to forgive. Anger is not what's really going on. So when I move myself to this notion of gifting myself with the energy of forgiveness, I've already dove deep into or chipped into the iceberg to find out what is the feeling of the emotion that's actually really there for me? And it typically would be sadness or it would be confusion. So when I can remember without anger a circumstance that happened between me and a family member, I realize what I've been willing to do is to acknowledge it never was anger. And that as long as I pretended it always was, forgiveness would never move from that place. So when I realized it was sadness or confusion or grief, And I began to do my work around that. I could then bring that knowing back to that person and say, you know, I forgive you. But I also thank you for being a teacher in my life to help me remember without anger.
0: Just one last thing that I'd like to ask. Is there anything that you'd like to say or advice you can give to the business community out there? We know small businesses are important. We need to support them in our communities. Any last thoughts on that? Wow, probably
2: the most important one, and this takes a lot of courage. And this is what I said to City in 2001. Show me where it is that you're being homophobic. Show me where you're being xenophobic. Show me where you're being transphobic. It would be this, come up with the list that you could actually show to the world that you're already accepting of this amazing community. If you can show me and quantify and qualify that you've already got some equity across the board with queer folk, that you're already giving to organizations that are near and dear to their heart, that you can actually land on a number that says, here's some folks that we know are from our community. If you can show me some evidence of being a friend of the community before you actually pretend to be a friend of the community, it would be a piece of evidence that the community would go, thank you. Because until you do that, we're going to hold you at arm's length and we're eventually going to ask you to show us those things. But imagine, Linda, if an organization found the courage to be able to say, Here's all the ways that we have in our history before we formally want to date you that we've already shown up in your community. Still not enough reason to actually espouse the things that they want to be. But it for me right away is that somebody who's being really brave with a community that actually really wants to see that, has a thirst to be able to see A, itself being honored by a business that actually wants to actually do business with them. So that would be the biggest.
0: Amazing. Thank you. And there goes that conversation you share what you've learned, you share those connections, and then you'll make a difference in someone in that room. And then they'll go out and do the same and so on and so on. And that's the beautiful thing about meeting great people and having good conversations. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, Linda, you're so welcome. And you affirm for me, right? You're going to wander in a community called we. And by sharing a bit of I that you have learned about today, that community will leave stronger. Oh, could there be a greater gift?
0: Through understanding and patience, kindness, perseverance, and dedication. Our 2SL, GBTQIA plus community can be supported and flourish in the Canadian small business scene. So thank you, Thomas, Caitlin, Tyler, and Barbara for your stories, insights, and perspectives. Now head out the door. There's an amazing local business just waiting for you to explore. And thank you to all the people in our communities who nominated them for Amplify Canada. Each episode of Amplify Canada, we introduce you to a local musician whose song you've heard throughout the podcast. Mona Moore Moore. originally slayed the Toronto drag circuit before moving to Calgary, Alberta, where she became the queen of Cowtown. Mona has performed in over 50 Canadian cities. Trevor, the man behind drag queen Mona Moore, is no stranger to the stage and pulls off the backwoods blonde bombshell that dazzles audiences in gorgeous costumes and killer choreography. This Canadian sweetheart is the total package. Trevor, Mona, so pumped to have you join us on Amplify Canada. Cool. Thank you. I was so intrigued because you trained at Canada's Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So let's start the story there.
6: Ever since I was a small child, I loved to perform, sing, dance, whatever it was. And I've been begging my parents to put me into theater and dance and all that stuff growing up. But coming from a very heavy sports family, that's what we did. We played hockey because we were from Winnipeg. So it took a while for them to finally be like, okay, you're right. This kid clearly needs to be in dance. He is a true born performer. This is what he loves to do. So when I started dance, I was a little late to the game, but I was very lucky that because I've played so many sports, some of them were gymnastics and figure skating, that sort of stuff. So that really helped with transitioning into dance and ballet and whatnot. And Training at the Royal Pay Ballet is the, the best experience, one of the biggest and best schools in Canada and it was just a great opportunity for a while and it really kind of helped open me up to so many other different dance styles. Because I'm a big beautiful drag queen I love being free and just exploding on stage and ballet is very much controlled so I fell in love with jazz and tap and circus and all these other types of different styles of dance. So I've just had a huge career in theater with many different aspects of live entertainment. And I don't know if there's anything else I I can really do. That's all I know.
0: Stand back, watch me go. I love that you brought that up because I was thinking, you know, the performing that you do now as a drag queen. And the rigidness, even though it's very beautiful, but of the training in ballet, like what a contrast. And so it's so great that you have that, but yet you found how you want to express yourself.
6: Yes, very much a contrast. And I mean, that's the nice thing about sports is that it kind of gives you work ethic and it teaches you a few things that you can use in other things. Definitely the competitive side has helped in pageants and drag competitions and that kind of thing. So they kind of go hand in hand in a way. Something like TV, like drag race, that's kind of the Olympics of drag, right? So I think it's good to be a little competitive.
0: (laughs) And the fact that you give back as well, like, I mean, it just shows the kindness in your heart during a difficult time for so many people, you know, still finding ways to give back to community and make a difference.
6: It's about just educating yourself and then helping educating people around you. And that just helps everyone become a better person, right? So I like to do a lot of work with End of the Rainbow. And they are a foundation that gives people a second chance. And they bring them to Canada for a safe and happy life. Because a lot of the countries that these people are coming from, it is illegal to be queer. And they could be literally murdered in their front yard. That's, I think, a huge foundation that is so important. And they also kind of focus on giving it the money to the people who need it the most. This year, I've been able to help being a part of the events and different things to help raise money. I think we raised almost 20 grand. So it's pretty awesome. That's giving one whole person a full chance to come to Canada and also maybe help them out for the rest of the year. That's why I do drag too, is to make a difference. And being a drag queen, we are the voices of the queer community. I'm given a mic every single week, right? At my show. So it's just more than that, right? It's more than having the mic in my hand and talking love and preaching positivity and all that stuff. But it's like, let's actually get out into the community, and make a difference. And so having events for places like End of the Rainbow is just awesome. And what a great way to make a difference when we're stuck at home.
0: I'm the best and I'm destined for the silver screen. I really enjoyed watching your video. And so I want you to kind of set us up for Slay and the song and the video and where that came from. Yeah,
6: absolutely. So creating my own music was definitely one of my main goals it always has been a dream i mean i love to perform lip sync and whatever to Britney spears and ariana grande and all those fun performers and stuff but i wanted to make my own music because i sing i dance i kind of do it all it seems like it's kind of the next step for mona is to create her own music so i teamed up with so fierce music and velvet code and velvet honestly changed my life because he he educated me. He taught me the, kind of the behind the scenes on how to write a song and how to create phrases and all that kind of stuff. So we are kind of sketching down lyrics and things. And so it's one of those things that in the first verse chorus, you want to know who this drag performer is. You know, you want to get an idea of who they are. So the style of, of Slay is very much based off of Britney Spears's Circus. Um, That's one of my go-to numbers and one of my favorite songs. And I wanted a bit of like some taglines that people can sing out and get stuck in their head. And I hear everyone going, mon ami, mon amour, mon ami, mon amour. And it's just hilarious. Absolutely. A lot of people have said, you know what, this actually sounds like a pop song. Like it doesn't sound just like a drag performer song. (laughs) I'm like, okay, thank you. Sorry to all the other drag performers out there. And I even had a producer at one of my shows come up to me and be like, this is something that I could hear on the radio. And this producer has worked with Lady Gaga and different things like that. And and so I was like, okay, this is pretty epic that people think that this song is that good. So I'm so proud of it.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. It's really been a pleasure. And we are going to listen to Slay. Um, But I also want to say to people... Please go online and check out the video because just listening to the music is wonderful. But to see you, you know, perform this song, Mona, is is worth every you know bit of anyone's time. So oh, please, for you. those listening now, are you ready?
1: Here we go, Mona. Yes, <laughs> I'm a. Man. One that you adore, gonna make you fall for me, then leave you wanting more. I'm a pageant queen and I'm breaking on the scene. I'm the best and I'm destined for the silver screen. That's right. Sweat, drip, lick, wet. I'll show you how to work it. Sweat, drip, lick, wet. Stand back, watch me go. I'm just a small town girl with dreams. watch me go I'm just a small town girl with dreams
0: Slay by Mona Moore. For more information, go to visiondrag.ca forward Mona And check out the video on YouTube. You've been listening to Amplify Canada, an initiative created by Patterson Media designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our communities. For more information on this program, go to pattersonmedia.com. This is a presentation of Patterson Media. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit
3: everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.